You are now tuned into the Anxious Ambition Podcast, where you will be hearing raw and unfiltered conversations with those who struggle with mental illness, but refuse to let that get in the way of them achieving their dreams. Our hope is that by hearing their stories, you are inspired to do more. Here are their stories. Anxious Ambition. Welcome back to another episode of the Anxious Ambition Podcast. Today's guest is currently in Germany, living out his dream of playing professional volleyball. His path hasn't been easy, as he suffered a few injuries and mental hurdles along the way. He's now one of the founding members of Off the Court. Off the Court is an initiative that focuses on providing information and resources to help athletes with not only their mental health, nutrition, but also recovery. Here to share his story, Dalton Solbrick. Welcome to the show, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited. Of course. Hey, so give it, give everyone a little bit of backstory. I mean, so you're in Germany now, but you, I mean, you, you grew up in Illinois, went to college in Hawaii, and now you're in Germany. Kind of walk me through how that journey happened. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess we can start like uh, when I started playing volleyball, it was pretty much back in high school. Um, both of my parents were actually swimmers. So there was really no kind of like person in my family that was a great volleyball player that kind of inspired me to, to want mm -hmm. to walk down that path. Um, I played basketball, baseball as a kid, you know, kind of like the classic, classic American sports. Yep. <laughs> I never played, football. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> never played football. My mom was a little worried about concussions. So, but I'm, but I'm glad she was right. Um, and so I started playing volleyball, um, probably about my freshman year of high school. I started playing club about, like about the summer before that. Um, my older, my older brother started, uh, like a year before I did, he's two years older than me. And then my dad would actually go and play just for fun in kind of like a, a six on six sand bar league, sure. with just some coworkers. And my brother and I, when we were kids, we would go, we'd mess around. We'd find a volleyball that's just sitting somewhere and mess around with it. And, and we kind of just really liked it. We liked watching it. We liked, uh, you know, started watching, we would watch in the Olympics. We would start watching like beach volleyball competitions. We would start going to like high school, college games, um, Carthage College up in Wisconsin. We would go and watch a lot of their games when we were younger. And that kind of just inspired me to start to start playing volleyball. And so I picked it up my freshman year. And yeah, I was definitely taller. <laughs> and uh, uh, being from the Midwest, I'm sure the people that live there kind of know that uh, men's volleyball is kind of still on the rise. Mm -hmm. um, it's been booming these last couple of years, which is really awesome to see. Um, but back when I was in high school, I mean, it was every year, it was kind of a question about cutting the men's volleyball program oh, shit. At, at a lot of the schools yeah. in, in my area. I mean, that's just kind of how it was. You mm -hmm. know, didn't really get, didn't really get many kids to come out and try out for it. A lot of times you had to kind of combine teams. So if you're a freshman, you hopefully you're good enough to play on JV because a lot of times there weren't enough freshmen for a freshman team, mm -hmm. things like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think I was, I was pretty good. I kind of picked up the sport right away. Um, I was always pretty coordinated. I played, you know, I played other sports, so I had good hand-eye coordination and that's a really big thing you need for volleyball. Um, and I kind of just continued down that path. You know, I got better and better every season of high school. Um, and it was kind of nice being like, I guess, one of the best players at the high school. Cause I could kind of play whatever position mm -hmm. that I wanted. <laughs> so it was really, really fun for me. I got, you know, I'm a, I'm a middle blocker now, but I mean, in high school, I played outside, I played opposite, I played setter, I played, yeah, I played every single position pretty much except for libero. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was really fun for me to kind of also just get a really good feel for the game and just be able to, to play at any of those positions. Um, and then probably around my, 
junior year is when it started getting a lot more serious. You know, I moved to a bigger, better club, adversity volleyball club. Anybody who, who knows, uh, it's a, it's a pretty big club in the, in the Midwest area, uh, Chicago area. Um, and so I kind of really wanted to pursue that to play in college. You know, I had a couple, um, D3, D2, um, colleges reach out to me that, that year, uh, mostly kind of local schools in the Midwest area. Mm-hmm. Um, so none of like the huge D1 schools, um, at that time. And then that season of club was kind of like a really breakout season for me. So I got some pretty good offers. You know, I did a couple of visits to, uh, Ball State, Ohio State, um, I visited Harvard, Princeton, and then Hawaii was one of the one of the best visits that I had. Um, so I go on this visit to Hawaii, and anyone who's been to Hawaii knows, like, it's amazing that you know the the lifestyle. It's paradise for sure. Um, but the the biggest thing that sold me, I think, um, to go to pursue that in college was we went to on my official visit. We went to a women's volleyball game sold out crowd in the Stan Stan Sheriff Center Arena, 10,300 plus people. And I'm like, you know, I'm a kid from the Midwest. And I'm saying, what the hell are all these people like watching volleyball here? What are are you guys doing here? And, you know, the guys on the team will tell me, yeah, we get not as many fans, but we'll get like six, seven, eight thousand for most games. I'm like, are you kidding me? Right. Thousands? (laughs) Like I'm used to just seeing like the parent, my parents and then my teammates' parents maybe a couple girlfriends or friends that are there just to hang out. Yep. Thousands of people like, Oh man, that I'm sold. And pretty much immediately I was like, yeah, this is where I want to go. Um, and so, yeah, my, my freshman year, I I came there and my career at Hawaii was, was pretty interesting. So I never did a freshman. I never, uh, did a red shirt, red shirt year Mm -hmm. looking back. I kind of wish that I had, it would have been just like an extra year to stay in Hawaii, which would have been awesome. Right. Um, but yeah, I think my freshman year, I actually came in as an outside slash opposite hitter. And I think it was, I think two, three weeks in, we had the start, one of the starting middles from the last season quit. We had another guy and then the other freshman who was like, he was recruited as a middle. He was like one of the best middles in the country at my, um, in my class broke his leg skateboarding <laughs> on campus. And so the head coach pulls me into his office. Um, one day he's like, you ever played middle? And I was like, yeah, you know, it's kind of the first position, first position I played. Mm-hmm. He's like, do you want to play middle for us? And I was like, uh, I mean, do I get, I asked him straight. I was like, does that mean I get to be on the travel roster and like on the, the game roster? He's like, yeah, for sure. You'll be the third, the third guy. And I'm mm-hmm. like, let's do it as a freshman. I'm like, I th- that that was kind of my attitude. I think it didn't really matter. Like I have to be this position. Like for me, mm-hmm. it was, I want to be on the court. I want to help, oh. help the play. You know, that's why I'm here to play volleyball. So that was a pretty easy decision for me switching back to, um, to being a middle. And then freshman, sophomore year, got a few, a little bit of playing time here and there, not a whole lot. Um, but for me, it was a really great situation to get better. You know, um, when you're in that situation where you got two guys ahead of you, you have to bust your ass every single day to kind of show, to kind of prove yourself. Mm-hmm. So you have to improve. You have to like grind every day. If, if, if being on the court is really what you want. And for me, it was. And then finally my junior year broke into the starting lineup, um, had a couple of really nice seasons there um, as a starter junior and senior year. Um, I think 
I, yeah, I think we, there was kind of like a miss, mishap my junior year that prevented us from making it to the NC2A tournament. Um, basically, there's like a selection process for the at-large bids and the, the team that got selected above us. Um, well, it's a little bit biased, but we think that it should have been us for sure. Um, it was a team that we had that we had beaten like I think three times that season. They only beat us once, so like head to head, you know. But no, I get it. Uh, Political shit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So unfortunately, we we kind of got snubbed that year. Um, and then the next season we had one of the greatest like uh, volleyball seasons in in history. We had um, seventy four set wins in a row. So we wow. didn't drop a set for our up, up until like our senior night, which is our last home game. Wow. Um, yeah, it was crazy. And, you know, undefeated at home 20, I think we were, we had won 28 matches in a row. Um, made it to like won the big West, won the conference championships, um, played the conference championships with a sold out crowd, which was crazy. Wow. Uh, senior night, senior night was a sold out crowd. Um, and then we go to the NCAA tournament. We make it all the way to the finals. Unfortunately, we, we uh, lose to Long Beach uh, in four sets. But, I mean, overall, just a really incredible season. I mean, we set we set records, like, with the team. Personally, I set the um, hitting percentage record for Hawaii. So, currently, I hold that. Hopefully, no one touches that one <laughs> so I can have a little piece of history right. since I was never, never All-American or anything like that. Sure. Um, so, that season was just really incredible. And um kind of like to backtrack a little bit i think probably midway through that senior season um is when some like a couple of my uh, assistant coaches we had milan zarkovic who's serbian like volleyball genius i mean he would run all of our trainings all of our practices he was just really incredible volleyball mind um then we had josh walker who played professionally for i want to say it was four or five seasons mm -hmm. and he played in Dubai, Abu Dhabi. He played in some really cool places. Um, and they kind of asked me, he's like, hey, what do you think about, you know, playing professionally? And I was like, to be honest, you know, I didn't really think about it mm. <laughs> yet. So, I mean, up to this point, it wasn't like I'm playing pro for sure. 100%. Like it was, I was always the kind of, you know, I was raised like school, school comes first, mm -hmm. get your degree. That's the most important thing. And, you know, I'm super happy that my, that my parents raised me that way. Cause you know, now I have a degree and then if God forbid, you know, knock on wood that something mm -hmm. happens to me, I have something to fall back on. Um, so yeah, up until till this, till this point, it was kind of like finish school, finish strong. Um, and, you know, obviously the rest of my time was, was volleyball, but more towards the college. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was, you know, I asked him, I was like, well, do you think I could, you think I could do it? And they're like, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, there's so many different levels of volleyball mm -hmm. over in Europe. And they're like, if you want to go play, like you can go play. We'll, we'll help you out. We'll help like, contact you with getting you in contact with an agent. Obviously everything was legal completely. You know, right. my coaches weren't like sign with this guy. So I'll get a cut or anything like that. Right. Um, just to, just to clear that. Right. Um, but they're like, you know, well, once the season's over, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll help you out. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, season ends and, um, I reach out to this Serbian guy who was um, in contact with my Serbian assistant coach. Um, and he got me this contract to go play in Romania. So that was originally my first contract. 
really, really nice contract. I was going to be on a team with a, a lot of the uh, Serbian national team volleyball players. Um, I think there was going to be two other American guys. So it was a really nice contract. And um, come beginning of August of that summer, so this would be summer of 2019, I get a text from the manager of the club saying, basically, we don't have enough money for the volleyball team, so we're going to cut it. It's like, oh, shit. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right, well, uh, I don't really know what to do now. Because, you know, like I said, I wasn't really ever really thinking about playing pro, so I didn't have right. a whole lot of knowledge about how everything works, all the different Because that's common, so kinda, right? Like, you hear yeah. about, they call horror stories of, because – I mean, let's be honest, there's no like professional, I mean, there is professional here in the States, but it's not, it's not like that full-time job type thing. And you hear it all the time of like, just, I mean, it's, it's such a gamble, you know, of yeah, just 100%. trusting someone over in Serbia or Croatia or whatever. And I've heard all these stories yeah. of people just not even getting paid and things like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very different, different world, especially when you're somebody like me who is just like pretty blind to it, you know, like, right. I don't know how to, you know, I don't know how everything works there. I don't know the rules for foreigners. I don't know the rules for visas. I don't know the rules for getting paid and bank accounts and all these different things. I'm like, mm -hmm. all right, like, I guess I'm just going to go and figure it out along the way. Yeah. Um, and so that didn't work out with the, the Romanian contract. And uh, there ended up being a little bit of a falling out with that agent, the, the Serbian agent. And then um, my current agent, uh, her name's Chiara. She's Italian. If she's watching. Well, Kiara, she's the bomb. <laughs> Saved my career like multiple times. She's great. Oh, yeah. um, and she reaches out to me and she kind of just says like, hey, I looked on the, the on the portal, which I guess the, at this time, I didn't know that there was like a, a portal, like saying uh, where everyone's going. I'm like, I saw on, she's like, I'm, I saw on the portal that you don't have a team. I'm like, I don't know where this portal is, sure. but <laughs> it's, it's correct. I don't have a team right now. Yeah. Um, and she said, you know, give me, I'll, I'll text you in the morning. And the next morning she's got like six different offers for me. Wow. And I'm like, how the hell did you do that overnight? <laughs> right. Like, did you just message like every single team in Europe? Like, how did you do that? Cause it, I mean, there were some from Estonia, Croatia, um, Portugal, uh, like I think the second or third league in Italy, like just all these random, like, wow. How did you do that? <laughs> That's right. insane. And so we kind of like whittled it down. Uh, I originally decided to go to Estonia. There was another kind of like falling out. Um, they just decided to sign somebody else instead of me. Mm. Um, and then finally I got this contract to go play in Croatia. And at this, before I, before I signed that one, I was kind of like, had this conversation with my agent. She's like, you know, it's pretty late. Uh, you know, you had two things fall through already. You're not going to get a lot of money. Like, the competition hopefully will still be good, but this is kind of like the last option. And so for me, I'm like, it's either that or I don't play professionally mm -hmm. and kind of almost going back to like, you know, some of these horror stories that you hear about guys. Um, if you take a year off, even one year, you know, teams yeah. look at that, like, yeah, we don't know. We haven't seen you play in a year. We're right. not going to take the risk on you. Right. So I'm thinking, and if I don't play this year, that's a pretty big risk to kind of take a year off and then try to get back into it. Or, you know, there's the option that somebody over in Europe gets gets injured at some point in the season and they need to sign a new player. But mm -hmm. that's a total, you know, that's a total roll of the dice that even happens, right? Right. 
Um, so I'm like, yeah, you know what, let's do it. I'm not, I'm not really doing it for the money. I'm kind of doing it for the experience. I want to play at least one season so that, mm -hmm. you know, five, 10 years down the road, I'm like not regretting never playing volleyball yep. uh, professionally. I'm like, let's do it. All right, let's do this thing. And so I go to Croatia, I fly in. I, I think I landed like six days before our first match. Wow. So I got there, I mean, a month, month, almost a month and a half later than all the other players. I'm like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know, I'm, but I'm still in good shape and everything. You know, that wasn't the issue with any right. of that because I was training all summer um, with the intentions to go play pro that, that next season. So it, it wasn't nothing to do with being out of shape, but you know, it's pretty intense to kind of like get to know a new setter, new teammates in a week before a game. And they don't speak and English, then, right? Like yeah, <laughs> no. And, and that was part of it too, is I was the only, uh, not the only foreigner, there was a Serbian guy, which Serbian Croatian, the languages are almost the same. Um, and then we had an Italian guy that kind of signed right when we got to playoffs. So for a majority of the season, I was the only foreigner. I was the only guy that didn't speak this like Slavic language, which I tried to learn and it was, oh my God, like impossible to learn. And I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and so, yeah, that was one of the toughest things about it was kind of just getting dropped in that country. And I'm like, all right, I'm here to play volleyball. I don't know. Like there's a couple of guys on my team that can speak decent English, but for my majority of them, it's pretty broken. Like you can't, mm -hmm. you can talk to them about volleyball stuff for sure. They know the English words, but anything else, it's kind of like, it's pretty tough to have like a normal conversation. Like you would have with somebody, you know, one of your friends back home. Right. right. Um, but it ended up being a really fun season. And I'm, and I'm really glad that I kind of took that chance because the lifestyle of playing pro um, it can be tough at times, but there's always, I, I always, it can always, always come back to like the silver lining of it's better than being at a desk for mm -hmm. eight hours a day. Right. Um, so I immediately kind of fell in love with the lifestyle, kind of just training once, twice a day, and then getting to relax the rest of the day, getting to, you know, explore Europe. Cause I, and this was the first time I'd ever been to Europe. Um, okay. so I'm like, this is incredible. I get to experience these new cultures, learn a new language. Croatian didn't really go that well, but German has gotten going a little bit better. Um, so it was really, really cool. And, um, and then, yeah, I decided to uh, keep playing. And so probably around February of that season, you know, I, that's usually when, when you kind of look for a new contract. Um, and my agent says, I really want to get you to Germany. Because um, Germany is kind of known as like the best league for kind of young players to go and develop it's kind of like the feeder league into france uh poland sometimes italy yeah. um, there's a ton of good like, young players in germany um they all, a lot of the teams will play in these international cups like champions league cv cup uh challenge cup um so you can get really really good exposure um by playing in these international cups and so my agents like, i want to put you in germany somewhere i'm like all right yeah let's do it and it was pretty tough the first couple of weeks of that. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm about six, six, but for my position, technically I'm a little undersized, which yeah. anybody watching is like six, six pretty <laughs> tall. Right. But for me, it's, you know, I'm playing against seven footers, like mm -hmm. six, 10, six, eight consistently. And so I am a little bit undersized for the position that I play. And that was kind of the thing that the first like three or four coaches in Germany kind of told my agent is like, yeah, we're looking for somebody above two meters which is like six eight okay. like we need somebody above above that 
we're like, all right, well, I'm really close to that. <laughs> I mean, I'm like 198 in, in centimeters. So I'm right. barely under that. And so that was super frustrating. Kind of like, you know, even because even in college, I would play against, you know, guys bigger than me and right. And it's play still well against short. Them. Yeah. It's still shorter, even at a collegiate level. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I'm like, I've proven that I can, that I can play. Mm-hmm. And finally my coach this year, Stefan Hubner, who's, um, Anybody who knows uh, international volleyball really well, he's one of the greatest middles of all time. I think he was from 2000 to 2010 selected on like the all decade team as the best middle. He wow. played in the 2000 Olympics for the German national team. Just incredible uh, playing career that he had. He's the coach of this of this club in, in okay. Lüneburg, Germany, which is where I am now. And he kind of phone calls me. My, or my agent tells me, he's like, hey, the coach wants to talk to you of this team. It's like, oh, sweet. So I jump on the call with him and he kind of just like, I love what you do. And, you know, you're, you really remind me a lot of myself when I was a player, which was an incredible honor for him to say something like that. And, you know, a lot of teams, they kind of, they kind of use middle blocker as very much specific. Like you need to be more of a blocker than I'm, than an attacker. And Mm -hmm. I've, been kind of the opposite my whole career I've been more of an attacker than than a blocker not saying I'm bad at blocking it's definitely improved a lot over these last few seasons but mm-hmm. that's attacking has kind of always been my strength and a lot of teams were kind of yeah we're looking for a guy that just gets a lot of blocks sure. all right well that's because yeah, that's kind of just the old school the way yeah. of volleyball and so my coach is like we want to run a lot of offense through the middle of the court I'm like well Hell yeah. sign me up dude <laughs> right. like, let's do it. And so I get the offer. I sign it right away. I think the next day I'm like, I'm not waiting on anything else. Like, I don't want right. to risk. I don't want to risk going anywhere else. My agent says Germany is hundred percent the best place for you to be. You got an offer from Germany. Like you should go. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I signed it and I signed a two year contract to play. Um, and yeah, here I am now still in Germany for my second season. Um, not, not sure yet what happens uh, next season for sure I'll still play sure. um but yeah that's kind of everything up until up until this point awesome so obviously you you said a lot but I want to get to like kind of back it up a little bit so during this time like when you like go to Hawaii and you go to all these foreign places like where are you at mentally at this point like are you just like totally open to being by yourself not knowing anyone like to me I'm thinking like I just be so anxious to, like go somewhere new and now you're alone. Like, tell me, like, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So, I mean, that was one of my biggest, I think, fears of, especially going to Hawaii as a senior in high school from, right. from the Midwest and the, you know, I went to Iowa and it was like, what the fuck is this place? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so for me, it was kind of, I think compared to the, like my brothers, for example, I was always kind of the one that was more, I want to like get out of here and just see something. Not that I was, you know, I really wanted to leave home because I, you know, I loved living in the Midwest, but I was mm-hmm. always a little bit more kind of, I guess, uh, adventurous in that sense. And so I was kind of, I guess, ready to take that, that leap. Um, and for anyone out there who's like considering playing sports in college, this is one of the biggest benefits of it is you you get there day one and you're basically you have 20 friends made for you that Mm -hmm. are the people on your team and so 
it was, that part was super easy. You know, I didn't have to worry about, oh man, you know, I'm here all by myself and I got to make friends. Right. Yep. I get there and I'm like, I got 20 dudes that I'm going to be forced to hang out with every day for the next four years. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to have some friends. <laughs> like I don't got to worry <laughs> right. about that. Um, but definitely I was a little bit homesick at times. I mean, it was tough being, it's such a big change. I mean, just going to college for a high school kid is a big change. And right. for me going 2000 miles away in the middle of the Pacific ocean was crazy, really, really crazy. And there were times where I was just like, man, I'm really far away from home. Like, and I think sometimes it's, sometimes it's tough, especially even now where, you know, I call my parents, I I usually call my family every Sunday Mm -hmm. and uh, they'll be like, yeah, we just went out to dinner last night with your brothers. And I'm just like, ah, damn, like, this is awesome. But sometimes you miss those moments like that, you know, kind of just going out to eat with your family or, you know, maybe it's, it's a friend from high school's birthday or um, the the thing that really sucks now is um, a lot of friends are starting to get married and I'm going to be missing a lot of weddings. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I'm just trying to convince all my friends to put put weddings and cousins like do it over the summer, please. Like if you have the choice, do a right. summer wedding. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's for sure it's tough. So I think definitely that time in Hawaii prepared me really well for for coming in and playing in Europe because mm-hmm. um, I was kind of already used to living on my own, you know, not seeing my family except for the summers and usually a little bit over winter break. Um. So I think I was definitely a little bit more prepared for it, but at the same time, it's difficult when you're kind of just dropped in a place like Europe where English isn't the first language pretty much anywhere you go. Um, I mean, depending on the country, a lot of people will speak English. Germany is a good example. Like just about everybody speaks a little bit of English here, especially the younger population. Um, But in a place like Croatia, it was, I mean, certain (laughs) cities would be like none, like really nobody speaks English. so it's such a big change. Like you're on your own for one and you're not with friends and family and you're, you're also kind of not able to speak your own language with people. Um, you know, you go to a restaurant and you're like, I don't know what any of the food is. So I'm just <laughs> going to wing it. Um, you go to like, you know, you go to the grocery store and you're like, I don't know what any of this is called in English. Like you look for something like flour and you're like, I have no sure. idea what flour is called here. And so just little challenges like that. But, um, yeah, I think, like I said, kind of just the living on my own piece. I think I was pretty prepared for that um, just from living in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely there were moments where it was tough. You know, it's it's kind of really easy to get in like a slump, I think is the best way to put it here, where you kind of go to training, come home, and then you just kind of lay around, watch Netflix, maybe play video games, don't mm-hmm. really do anything productive. And it's, you know, it's not that I, not that you have to, right? But right. Um, you kind of just get in that zone. It's just like, yeah, every day is the same. I go to training and I come home and then I'm lazy, just kind of like watching Netflix, playing video games, mm-hmm. rinse and repeat every day. Yep. Um, so that's why, you know, especially the, the stuff with like off the court and, and different things that I've kind of like expanded my hobbies into has definitely helped that, that piece of like living on my own a ton. So speaking of off the court, you know, what, you know, first, you know, I want you to explain what it is, but also what made you want to be a part of that? You know, why are you so passionate about mental health, recovery, and nutrition? Yeah, so I guess to kind of give you the, the background of that, I totally got a random phone call over the summer from Faye, who's another one of the founding members. Um, she played volleyball for UT Dallas. She was a setter there for four years. Um, 
she reaches out to me on Instagram and she kind of just, you know, this was the summer before I came to Germany. Okay. And so she kind of reached out and was like, Hey, you know, I know that, um, you've had like an injury in the past. Cause I had a, a I, it was a pretty minor surgery that I had while I was in Hawaii. I just had a, a surgery on my foot. I think I was only out for three months. Okay. So, I mean, compared to like ACL, anything like that was, I, in my opinion, more minor. I, you know, I was only in crutches for like a week. Sure. Um, but she, she reaches out to me. She's like, she says, I'm doing this project on like the mental health side of recovering from an injury for, my, for her uh, uh, undergraduate like thesis project. Hmm. So like, can I interview you for that? And I was like, oh yeah, sure. You know, I, and, and whenever people reach out to me, I usually, I try to like help them out with anything I can. Um, so like, yeah, for sure. Like, you can interview me. Like we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, and so I do this interview with her and I kind of go through all of the different, I guess, advice that I had as, as a player, um, as well as somebody who, you know, as, as an athlete, you experience teammates getting injured. I mean, that's, that's just a part of sports, mm -hmm. right? So I kind of shared a little bit of my experiences uh, in that as well. And the interview went great. You know, I, we hit it off. Like she is a really close friend of mine now. And yeah, obviously we started this, this new company together. And a mm -hmm. uh, few weeks later, I'm in Germany and I get a phone call from her again. And she, she goes, you know, so my, she works for a marketing company uh, in Dallas and her boss, I guess, caught wind of the project she was doing. Um, so CEO of a big marketing company. Wow. And she's like, you should like do something with that project, like something bigger. She's like, really? She's like, yeah, I'll, and I'll help you out. I'll help you guys out with whatever you need, like figuring out how to start a business, all these different logistical things, like all the ins and outs of oh, yeah. the legal, the legal part of starting a company. Mm -hmm. And so she calls me, she's like, Hey, do you want to like be my partner on this? And I was like, really? Like for sure. Absolutely. Like let's, yeah. <laughs> let's do something. Let's like, and so it didn't really take shape, I think, until the next summer is, is when, you know, um, we were kind of just brainstorming all year, like, this is what we want to do. Like, let's start doing research on how we're going to do it, um, how we want to do our social media, how we want to do, um, like, physical events, like doing some clinics, which is one thing that we did uh, over this last summer. Okay. Um, and then eventually we, I reached out to James Anastasiades, who is, um, he's a guy from, he's from Cyprus, um, but he lived in California for, um, pretty much high school until, uh, he, until he went to college. And then he played with me at Hawaii, uh, for four years. He's currently still there. He's the, um, he was the manager of the team. And now he does a lot of, uh, work with like the, um, the TV and like color commentary and sure. stuff like that. Okay. And so he's getting his master's right now in sports and exercise physiology, and so I reached out to him because we kind of have the recovery part of it. And if you know, James is kind of just like the guy that he'll talk to anybody, he's got, he's always got ideas bouncing around in his head. So I was like, he's a good guy to call about, you know, mm -hmm. about like talking about this stuff. And we just had such a good conversation. The three of us were like, James, you, you got to help us out, dude. Like you got to be a part of this too. And so that's when we kind of brought James in and then um, it kind of took shape into what it is now, which is off the court. And yeah, to put it really simply is we, we kind of realized how little there is in terms of like education on mental health, nutrition and recovery. Um, and those are the things that they aren't the things that you worry about while you're at practice or while you're at the game, mm -hmm. but they directly influence your performance 100%. And so it kind of became like, we want to increase your performance 
on the court by taking care of all these things off the court. And that's kind of where the name came from. First of all, the name is super clever. Nah, yes. thanks, who, who came up with it? It was me, actually. You yeah. should have seen that. I mean, <laughs> if you saw the list of other ideas, you, you would laugh at probably 90% of them. So I'm, so I'm glad that that one is good. <laughs> I hear you. I think that's always how it is. Like you have that one idea and yeah. it's like all these crazy other ones. It's like, yeah, let's just stay yeah, with this. <laughs> I remember going through the list with Faye and she's just like laughing at all of them. And then we finally hit off the court. She's like, wait, that one's nice. That one's good. Yeah, let's do that one. Yeah, and then that's how we got that name. So what kind of struggles have you had with your mental health? So my, this is a pretty complex one for me because mm -hmm. I didn't really have any issues when I was in college, when I was in high school, okay. um, or at least not to the point. And, and I think part of it is the lack of education is if I was yep. having some, some issues, I probably just didn't really know, you know, yep. I thought I would, maybe I was just in a bad mood that day or, or something like that. Um, and I think it wasn't until, uh, the season in Croatia, when I kind of talked about like being in that slump for a little while where, like I said, I would, it was just the same exact thing every day, like go to training, come home, Netflix, go to training, come home, Netflix or playing video games or something like that. And at one point I kind of like took a step back and I was like, man, I'm like really not enjoying that much right now. And, and it was tough. You know, like I said before, I don't have any like really close friends on the team because anytime we would do anything with the team, everybody's kind of talking in Croatian to each mm -hmm. other. And I'm kind of just sitting there like <laughs> just kind <Yep>. of cruising <laughs> and just waiting until someone speaks English. And I'm like, Oh shit, they're probably talking to me. All right, there we <laughs> go. I can be part of the conversation now. And so it was tough to have like a social life. Um, and, and, you know, I, huge shout out to my teammates that year you know they would always try to like bring me out going to the clubs going to bars going to like different events like they're like i know you don't speak the language we're gonna <laughs> at least try to make you have fun mm -hmm. um but at times it's tough you know you're you're in a completely different time zone than all your friends um you're in a completely different time zone than your family it's impossible like you you don't have that daily daily connection with somebody who you can just kind of talk to and you kind of take it for granted to be honest um okay just that ability to be, to talk about anything, you know, to talk about uh, the girl you saw the other day at the grocery store. And mm -hmm. because that, th those are the kinds of conversations you can't really have with somebody um, that is not a native English speaker or doesn't speak English to, you know, a good level. Mm -hmm. And so definitely that kind of opened my eyes and um, it's kind of like, man, you know, I'm not really sleeping that well. I'm kind of always like in a kind of irritable mood uh, and I'm always kind of just like, uh, fuck, like, you know, fuck this. Like, I'm just going to go watch Netflix. I don't want to do anything today. Yeah. Unmotivated. Yeah, completely. And I think the motivation was always there for sports. Mm -hmm. Like I've always had the ability to like, no matter how I'm feeling, kind of leave everything at the door, walk in the gym and, you know, get to, get to work yeah. with, with sports. Um, and so that kind of just, I, you know, I just took that step back and, and realized like, man, this is, I'm not really like kind of my old joyful self. Um, and so that was my first experience with it. And then I kind of started doing some, some different research. I started like kind of changing my hobbies. So instead of coming home and watching Netflix, I would throw on a podcast, like a health and fitness podcast or something sure. like that. Something that I find some interest in, or maybe it's something about like investing. Cause I've been, you know, pretty interested in that or 
just throwing on some music and just kind of just chilling or going for a walk, all these different things. And I kind of noticed my mood would start to improve, you know, like doing just a bunch of different things like music and going for walks and kind of exploring things and doing my own research on like health. I, that was one of the reasons that I'm so uh, passionate now about health and fitness was starting to listen to these podcasts and getting myself educated, especially on like nutrition and recovery. Cause even as a college kid, I'm looking back, I'm like, if I knew the stuff in college that I know now about recovery and nutrition, like, shoot, I would have been a way better athlete. Oh yeah. And, um, and so I kind of just started pushing those hobbies to something for me that was a little bit more productive and immediately that helped. Um, and then I think the biggest struggle was probably last season with injuries. Um, so to kind of outline the whole season, um, I'm sure do you, you know, what Wapaka is the, the big oh, yeah. grass tournament. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I played in Wapaka that summer and broke my ankle in the quarter quarterfinal match. And this is your, after your first season in Germany. This is after my first season in Croatia. Okay. Croatia. So Got this it. is okay. right before my first season in Germany. So I break my ankle at Wapaka. So I'm out for the first six weeks of the season. Um, and so already not off to a good start. Right. <laughs> oh. And so, um, you know, anybody who's had like an injury like that knows that that time that you're, that you're resting. So I had to like stay off my feet for six to eight weeks. Wow. It takes like another six to eight weeks to get back to like hundred percent playing shape. Like it's really not, it's not a very fast process. And, mm -hmm. um, so it really took me a while to kind of get back to, you know, where I was as a player before that injury happened. And um, then a couple, I don't know, maybe like two weeks after I personally felt like, all right, I'm back. Like, I'm back. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. I got a really bad throat infection that last ended up lasting for like 14 days. And I was on almost a full month of antibiotics. Oh. Um, and obviously, you know, you can't train when you're on antibiotics. And so I'm out for a whole nother month from being sick. And again, like even after that, it takes one, two, three weeks to kind of mm -hmm. get back into shape because I didn't play for like three weeks, three, almost four weeks. Like, all right, that one's done. Like now we, now we go. And, and, you know, the season has already started at this point. Mm -hmm. Like I'm missing, I'm missing games at this point. Um, and then I had like a pretty minor, like back injury that kind of took me out for two weeks ish, but not nothing like super serious, didn't require surgery, anything like that. And then I finally was back and I played a couple really, really good matches, um, right towards the end of the regular season. I like finally kind of like broke into the starting lineup. I played really like had a couple of really nice games statistically. Uh, my coach was kind of like noticing like, all right, nice. Dalton's back. Like this is, this is the guy that I signed. Mm -hmm. Right. And right around Christmas time, I started feeling that pain in my ankle again, the same one that I injured over the summer. And I was like, all right, well, that's not a great sign, but yeah, at, at first I was kind of like, you know, I'm a volleyball player. I've had knee problems before, mm -hmm. you know, jumpers knee. probably everybody's had that at some point. Yep. <laughs> that's kind of what I thought it was, you know, that's kind of what I thought it was at first. Like I said, it would, it would come and go during practice when I would get a good warm up in, it would it'd be fine. And then kind of slowly and slowly and slowly it started getting worse, which is not good for any injury, right? And I'm doing all these exercises to kind of help strengthen my ankle that I had been doing like, you know, since that initial injury. And 
it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And I was kind of just really trying to play on it. I mean, I was taking painkillers every single day for training. And Mm -hmm. at some point I kind of just like pulled my coach aside and it was like, you know, it's pretty unhealthy, like what I'm having to do in order to train right now. Like I'm in a ton of pain. I'm taking painkillers every day, which is not good for you at all. Right. Um, especially not every single day. And I mean, I was taking like a gram of ibuprofen a day, which is way too crazy, (laughs) way too much. Right. Daily. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so I kind of had that conversation with him. I was like, you know, I think I really need to get like x-ray MRI and just, you know, just see if there's something structurally wrong. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I just pretty much stopped training at that point, scheduled the MRI and all that stuff. And eventually they found that, um, it's, it's a, kind of like a difficult injury to explain, but basically um, the cartilage between the ankle joints, so like my foot and my shin bone mm-hmm. had kind of like deteriorated a little bit. Um, so basically it was kind of just bone grinding on bone and it created like bone spurs, which is, was kind of like the source of the pain. Okay. Um, and basically, you know, the cartilage just like wasn't really doing its job there anymore. And so I had never really thought of this or like heard about this as an injury before. Mm-hmm. Right. Usually it's like broken bone, torn ligament, torn tendon. Yeah. I'm like, cartilage. More cut and dry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I don't even know what the, what the protocol for that is. And so. Do you have trainers go, out there? Yeah. So we have, okay. um, we have three uh, physiotherapists and then we have kind of like a, I call it the medical army <laughs> of just, spe- I mean, we have a shoulder specialist, we have a knee specialist, we have a foot and ankle specialist, oh, wow. everybody that's affiliated with the club that you can get an appointment with them. And, you know, they'll see you next day. Got it. So it's, it's really, really fast here. And, and in Germany, it's uh, healthcare is completely socialized. So oh, wow. um, we're completely insured through everything. And we can get just about anything through our health insurance, which is, you know, really, really yeah. nice. Um, and so I get the results for the MRI. I go to see this, um, foot and ankle specialist. And he kind of says, you know, what I just told you is like, there's a problem with the cartilage. We're going to send you to, um, this like really professional facility in Hamburg, which is about an hour uh, to the North of where I'm living, um, big city. And they're like, this is, you know, someone there will probably know exactly what we need to do. So I go there, they tell me that they have to do this procedure called micro fracturing, which, is basically they that little space where the cartilage is kind of not there anymore. They fracture the bone with like a tiny drill to basically stimulate growth of new tissue in that wow. kind of pocket to kind of like fill that gap. And so basically they're, you know, they're breaking bones, yeah. right? So it's, it's a pretty long healing process and um and cartilage takes a really 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 long time to regenerate it's just one of those things that injuries that involve cartilage just take a long time to heal and so i kind of sit down there and at this point i have no idea of the timeline i'm like it could be a couple of weeks it could be longer and he kind of tells me it's, it's gonna be like between six and nine months Fuck. until you're back i'm like shit, there goes the rest of my season. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I was just like, you gotta be kidding me. Cause you know, like I said, I I had just broken into the starting lineup. I was playing good matches. I was really excited to finally be back on the court. You know, I was playing volleyball again. I was happy. Like, I'm like, yes. And then this happens. And I'm like, dude, not something like just one thing after another. Mm -hmm. And 
that was definitely the biggest battle because it, it wasn't just, you know, like it wasn't just one injury that, you know, because injuries are common in sports. Right. Everybody will have them. Hopefully they're not too serious, but at some point it will happen. Mm-hmm. For me, it was just like out for a month, on for a couple of weeks, out for a month with something else, on for a couple of weeks, and then have like right before playoffs, basically, which is, you know, the biggest part of the season. Right. Like, yeah, I'm out for the rest. Damn. And so for me, I was like, well, this is really not how I wanted the season <laughs> to go because I kind of already had that season in Croatia where I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to Germany. This is my chance to kind of prove that, you know, I'm good enough to play at a high level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe this was my opportunity to go and train with the U.S. national team and things like that. And so it's kind of all these things just start falling apart and you're like, man, this is really shitty. So right about, right about that time, um, the club gave me the option. They're like, you can do the surgery here or you can go home if there's a doctor back home um, that, you know, that you trust with, with this. Mm-hmm. And I, I decided to stay here in Germany and do the surgery here. Um, there is a doctor that, um, that had done my foot surgery before. He's a foot and ankle expert in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I kind of reached out to him and I just asked him, like, is this, I basically asked him, is this is what you would do? Like this mm-hmm. microfracturing procedure? He's like, yeah, no, I think it looks good. Yeah. And so I kind of had that, that trust from somebody that I had, you know, seen before. And, and, um, so I decided to say, it was a conversation I had with my coach and I kind of just told him, you know, I, I kind of asked him, like, do you see the benefit of me staying here um, to do the surgery here and kind of do the recovery process here? And he kind of just gave me this answer that I, I kind of hope that I keep this identity as an athlete for a long time. He kind of just said, you know, the thing that one of the best things you bring to this team is just like your energy and like the relationships you have with all the guys. Mm -hmm. And he's like, we would love to have you like stay and just like be in the gym with us. And I was like, okay, sweet. Like I'll stay. And I mean, that was such a big, big compliment from him. And, and so that's kind of what I did. I would kind of show up, you know, first couple of weeks I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a boot for eight weeks on crutches. Um, so it was, it was rough. You know, I, yeah, I've got guys helping me get groceries. I've got guys helping me, uh, you know, drive to different appointments and all this stuff. Everybody was a huge help to me. And yeah, I would kind of just come to training. First couple of weeks, I didn't really do anything because, you know, just right after Mm post-surgery and that, and it's exactly what my coach said is what I try to do. I would try to like, you know, joke around with the guys. Um, I would come to the games and be the loudest guy in the crowd and just trying to kind of give the team everything that I could, you know, obviously I couldn't contribute statistically. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was like, you know, I can still have a positive influence on how this season goes. And that's kind of the attitude I had. And, and I'm so glad I had that attitude because I think it helped me so much with my, my own recovery process and my own mental mm-hmm. health of just like kind of changing my role on, on the team. And, you know, looking back, I think if I had gone home and kind of just sat around at home for three, four months, just yeah. having my family do everything for me, man. I would have been in a bad, like much worse place. Yeah, it definitely and, seems like you made the right choice there. Yeah, no, I, and I, and I totally think I did. And, and plus, you know, like I said, we have so many people surrounding the club that made the recovery process really, really nice, like mm-hmm. doing physical therapy sessions, um, doing these like um, 
physiotherapy, like kind of just basically like massages and stuff like that um, to help me along with the recovery process. And yeah, but I think that for sure was kind of the biggest struggle with, with mental health in general, because you would just kind of some days I would wake up and I'm motivated. I'm like, and you know, I'm in a boot, but I could still do push-ups. I could still mm-hmm. do, I could still do crunches, man. Like I'm going to go work out. And, and then some days you kind of just wake up and you lay in bed and you're just like, Oh my God, like, I don't want to do anything today. Like, this is so shitty. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and it's some, and part of it, you're like, man, I don't know if this is a life for me anymore. I mean, it, it really does get to that point sometimes mm-hmm. where you're like, man, do I, do I really want to just like live this of being injured and like the, you know, as soon, cause as an athlete, as soon as I'm healthy again, there's, there's still the chance that I'll get injured again right away. You know, right. there's no, there's no guarantee about any of that. There's no guarantee that I um, get myself back to a position that I can play at a high level after this injury. So I'm sitting there thinking like, man, after everything that's happened this season, like, I don't know, man, this has been so tough. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like had, um, so I, like I said, I signed a two-year contract here. So I was, that was one thing that was very helpful for me because if this was a one-year contract, it would have been really, really difficult to get something for this yeah. season, this, this season that I'm in now. I mean, it would be next to impossible yeah. at least wanna, to play in a, in a, in a good league again. I want to hit on that a little bit. So, you know, while you're dealing with these injuries, do you have any worry of being like cut or, I mean, it's pretty cutthroat. I mean, I know you had that, that, that second year on your deal, but did you ever have a worry of like, okay, you know, your first year you're injured basically the whole, you know, for a majority of the season, then you get hurt again. I'm sure that conversation with your coach was, you know, pretty relieving, but you know, how does that work? Do you have any worry creeping in during this time? Yeah. So that was <laughs> up until this point in my life, this was probably like one of the worst days of my life so far was yeah. the day that I get the call saying, yeah, it's going to need surgery. And then at this point, they kind of explained to me the procedure and how long I'll be out for. So I get this call in the morning and they're like, we're going to do surgery. You're going to be out for the rest of the season. About an hour and a half later, I get a call from my agent and she goes, Hey, you know, I, I talked to your coach today. Um, they are having a conversation with like the other members of the club about whether or not to keep you for next season. And so I get both these phone calls within like two hours of each other. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Like, this is, you gotta be fucking kidding. Like I was pissed. I was sad. Like I didn't even, you know, I called my family. I'm just like, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what's going to happen. Like I have no idea what to do now. Mm -hmm. And then the next day actually is when, I had that conversation with my coach about whether I wanted to stay here for the surgery or go home. Mm -hmm. And then my agent calls me that night and she says, you know, I heard about this conversation that, you know, you have with your coach. And I guess he just from that conversation decided like, he's just the type of guy that we're going to take the gamble on. And he's the type of guy that we love having him in the gym, even while he's injured. So we're going to take the gamble that he'll get back to, you know, hundred percent. And, you know, what, during the time during the season where I was playing, mm-hmm. they could see that I was a really hard worker. They could see that I was, you know, constantly trying to improve and mm-hmm. like that, that personality isn't going to go anywhere. Right. And so like, we'll, we'll take the gamble. We'll take the gamble that he gets back healthy and 
I think they had a lot of confidence in me that that I do get back healthy and um so it was kind of like a really emotional couple of days like I can imagine yeah going from going from playing to out for the rest of the season maybe not have a contract next season to surgery and then still have the contract it was like a lot of ups and downs and so yeah there definitely was that that conversation and um I'm very lucky to be in a, in a place like Germany uh, for this, to be honest, because when you get injured, even as an athlete, the government takes over paying your salary. Wow. So I didn't have to worry about not getting paid the rest of my salary. Basically the club, my club didn't really have to pay for me anymore, but I was oh, still I getting get paid. Right. So, so they're not, yes, they're not losing money by having you on the team at that point. Exactly. So okay. there's no reason for them to cut me. That's good. <laughs> and yeah, so I got, you know, I got really lucky because <laughs> yeah. I've heard stories about yeah. guys getting cut for much, much less than that. Mm-hmm. And so definitely there was that conversation and I just so happened to be in a good situation that, you know, I signed a two-year contract. I had made a good impression with coaches and people from the club and, and yeah, I mean, it was, it, that's one of the more, more difficult things about playing professional sport is when you're in high school, when you're in college, it's kind of like, it's more of like a family, right? Mm-hmm. When you're playing professionally, it's a business. Yep. I mean, at the end of the day, you are, you're a number value. You're a, a statistical value. You're, mm-hmm. and it's different from team to team, of course. You know, some okay. teams have a lot more um, personality and kind of like uh family oriented and the club I'm on now is, is much more than other clubs I've been on. But mm-hmm. when you look at some other clubs, it's like, it's a business, man. You got to show up and perform. Otherwise you're gone. Yep. And yeah, so it was definitely really, really stressful time, time in my life for sure. How did you deal with that stress? So one of the biggest ones was um, kind of like forcing myself to come to training um, so I still went to training every single day. Okay. I went to all the liftings. I went to all the trainings. Uh, even while I was injured, I would crutch in and <laughs> say what's up to the boys. And, and I would kind of, I would kind of make fun of myself a little bit for being like, you know, calling myself like a cripple or things like that. And sure. uh, like kind of showing my teammates, like, yo, you can rib me a little bit. Like you can, yeah, you can, poke the boys. you can have some yep. banter. Yeah. Um, and then this one was kind of like an interesting one for me. And, and looking back, it's kind of funny is I just destroyed my upper body every day, weightlifting. And I mm-hmm. put on like 10, 15 pounds of muscle, like just oh, on my yeah. upper body. And I'm walking around, like the training shirts are like super tight on me now. <laughs> and the guys are like, dude, you're getting kind of jacked. I'm like, yeah. yeah. So I kind of, yeah, I kind of just put my focus on that. You know, I would come in and while they were training, I would just lift, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would just lift upper body. And so you know, I kind of just took my mind off it. It was something just something else to do and kind of like focus on. And it was kind of cool to see some, some uh, improvement there and kind of see like my body change a little bit. And Mm -hmm. it was, I guess like a a goal, you know, it doesn't really affect volleyball performance that much to be jacked. Right. But, but it was kind of just something I did. uh, And then, you know, I dialed in again on my nutrition. Um, I started, uh, like counting calories and things like that, um, which I had kind of learned from like listening to a few different podcasts and doing my own research. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know, now's a good time to kind of like figure out what the best diet is for my body. Right. So mm-hmm. I did a lot of experimentation with a, which a bunch, a bunch of different things. And 
Um, and then, yeah, during this time was kind of like when we were forming off the court. So it was, it was a really unique time for me because up until this point, I hadn't really had any um, mental health issues that I could really put my finger on. Mm-hmm. And now I'm making this company where the main focus is mental health. And I'm like, damn, like my mental health is not very good right now from all this stuff that I'm, that I'm mm-hmm. looking at and, and, and all these things that I'm doing. And I think that really helped it kind of blossom into a passion for me. It's because I'm doing these things and I'm, I think one of the biggest eye openers for me was it's, you know, it's kind of a, a stigma among athletes, I think, especially male athletes, oh, yeah, Absolutely, you kind of just put it down, you know, not talk mm-hmm. about it. And so I'm kind of going through this brainstorming process. And that was one of the first things we identified is kind of this stigma around mental health of athletes. That's like, you just don't admit it. And then I would have these conversations with my two co-founders, Faye and James, and they'd be like, you know, how's your, uh, how's the recovery going? How's your mental health? And I would kind of, just, yeah, I'm fine. You know, it's like, nah, I'm good. Yep. And then I'm going through this process. And I'm like, I'm totally like part of the, part of that stigma. Like, yeah, I'm definitely not fine. Like I, some days I wake up and I just don't want to get out of bed, you know, mm-hmm. like at all the whole day. And I'm like, I think that's what turned it in, into such a big passion for me now was kind of going through it and taking a step back and like it's it like I have the problems that I'm trying to address 100% like mm-hmm. being able to say like yeah I'm not I'm not doing very well today like I'm freaking depressed I've got a ton of anxiety today like mm-hmm. today sucks and instead I would kind of just even when I would talk to my family like how you doing nah, I'm good I'm fine just cruising along kind of just doing my thing mm-hmm. it's like it's so difficult as as a, as an, as an athlete, as a, as a male athlete. And even, even while I'm doing this process of creating something where I'm encouraging people to talk about these things, I'm not doing it. And I think I was like, holy shit, man, what a, what a freaking eye opener. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, like what you're saying, I could totally relate to. I mean, obviously with my podcast and everything, you know, it's all about promoting mental health and mental health awareness, but that doesn't mean that I like, well, I like what you said. It doesn't mean that we've got all our shit figured out. You know, yeah. we're still having those defense mechanisms of, I don't want to talk about it right now. Or, you know, when you're not fine and it's perfectly okay, but it's, you know, now that you, you know, you've, you've got, because, you know, there's a difference too. And I really want to have you on because, and not to belittle you in any sense, like, it's not like you didn't grow up with like a mental illness. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, there's so many people that, you know, it's not all about, oh, like everyone experiences bouts of anxiety, depression, you know, things like ruminating thoughts. And now more than ever, people that, you know, like yourself or even like me who has, you know, generalized anxiety disorder and things like that, we can come together and help spread the word because it's not about, oh, I just want to help people that you know, have, have anxiety disorder. It's like, no people like yourself or people that are athletes that are just like, what the hell is going on with me? You know, how can we make a difference to help just normalize it? Because everyone experiences mental health and just different, you know, um, amounts, I guess I would say. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I think that, and not at all, you're, you're not belittling me right. at all. Cause that was, that was one of the biggest observations that I had going through this process is when I would have that one day where I'm like, 
and I'm pretty like kind of depressed today. Mm -hmm. And then I would look back. I'm like, damn, there's people out there that feel like this every single day. Or, you know, I would have those, those anxiety days. I'm like, there's people out there that have this every single day. I'm like, damn, that sucks, man. Like, and and I'm thinking like now with this project, like I want to figure out a way to help these people Mm because I'm going through it. And I'm like, if one day during the week, I'm feeling like that, or one day a month, I'm feeling like that, shoot, I'm going to want to not feel like that the next day. And so I'm looking at it like, for sure, there's people that have had, first of all, worse injuries than Mm -hmm. I've had. I mean, Faye is a great example. One of our co-founders, she had two ACL surgeries her senior year that totally, I mean, she, she totally like destroyed her career. Right. And so I'm looking at, you know, people like her and I'm like, man, like I'm going through this whole process and kind of going this mental health journey. And I'm looking around, I'm like, I'm, I'm definitely not alone. And there's people that are far, far worse than me, but I kind of looked at it, not like, Oh, poor them. I kind of looked at it. Like I can help them with Mm -hmm. the things that I've learned from just going through these few um, experiences that I've had. Exactly. Cause now now you have the empathy. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. And I've talked about with another guest, like, you know, with COVID it's like the first time that, you, you would imagine almost everyone in the world suffered whether some bout of anxiety, depression, and it sucks. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, I'm kind of glad it happened because now you guys can have some empathy for, you know, all the people yeah. that are like, oh, mental health doesn't exist and all that. It's like, well, what you experienced is exactly what everyone's mm-hmm. talking about. So um, before we kind of get into our last couple of questions, I mean, what, what's some just general advice you'd have for someone that, you know, may be struggling with their mental health? I think first and foremost, biggest piece of advice is if it's like, if it's severe, like see professional help, right? Anything that, that I can tell you advice, like all these different things at the end of the day, if you need help, you got to go get help. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we also talk about with off the court is so many um, barriers between like just to use athletes as an example between athletes and getting professional help. Right. And the first, first is what we just talked about is that stigma of Mm -hmm. just not wanting to admit it. And then there's the issue of, there's the issue of accessibility. There's the issue of money. There's the issue of, you know, all these different things and find a way to get past those barriers. And I think that's the biggest piece of advice I have before I give you any, like do some breathing techniques or meditation. Like if you need Mm -hmm. help, go get help. Like if, if it's something that, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of person that um, if you can get it done without medication, then I think that's the, the right, right, right way to go. Mm-hmm. But I'm totally not against like, dude, if you need to take medication to get what you have under control, if you need to go see a doctor, see a professional therapist or sports psychologist, something like that, 100% go like, go do that. I'm a huge advocate for that. And, um, and I think for people kind of going through mental health issues is experiment. I think there are like, you go online, you can find a thousand different ways to manage stress, a thousand different ways to improve your mood, a thousand different ways to kind of like calm down anxiety. And I think one of the biggest problems that I see with people is they try one thing doesn't work and they go back to doing what they did before. It's like, Mm -hmm. try five, six, seven, 10, 30 things like before, like find something that works for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? If, if going for a walk doesn't work for you, don't give up, try something different. You know what I mean? Um, and so I think you just, and 
not only try new things, but keep trying things until something works, you know, because you're, you're going to be able to find new things to try, Mm -hmm. whether it's a new type of meditation, whether it's a new type of breathing technique, whether it's just picking up a new hobby, you know, maybe instead of coming home and plopping on the couch and watching Netflix, pick up a, try to learn a new instrument, try to do some art, you know, try to do photography, like try things, try things, try things, try things, and don't give up easily on finding things that kind of like help you with your mental health, which I think that's the biggest piece of advice I can give for sure. It's perfect, man. And I think so many people can relate to that. You say it all, you, you get on Google, there's so many things out there. And, you know, to be honest, you know, some things might make your anxiety worse, you know, mm-hmm. it's, but like, that doesn't mean, like you said, you got to keep trying. I mean, I've been in this, you know, battle for, you know, shit, I'm 31. Like, I mean, consciously for probably 15 years, just trying to figure out what, how to, how to feel better. And it's not one thing, you know, it's not like you need to just build up that, that toolbox, those, those things that you can do where, you know, maybe a breathing exercise makes sense in this moment, but maybe Mm -hmm. not the next time. So like, it's just the more we can learn. And I, you know, the main thing I hear in there too, is like, you got to do the work like this seeking help or, you know, taking that first step is how you're going to get better. Sit and sit on your ass, watching Netflix, you know, is not, I mean, not saying it's not the, you you can do that, but don't do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't do nothing. (laughs) Expect something to happen. So like, and that's like the whole part of anxious ambition is, you know, yeah. You know, people struggle with anxiety, depression, you know, bouts of anxiety, but that's not what's going to define our lives and define reaching those goals. And, um, you know, I'm really glad you said that because that's, that's a perfect way to look at it. Just you get to try and try and try and you, you will find something that helps you and you may have to combine that with other things to help you, you know, maybe it's diet, you know, I think that's a huge factor. Um, speaking of nutrition, I mean, have you, I mean, personally, what's kind of like your nutrition like, is there things you avoid? Me personally, I, yeah. uh, the only thing I really avoid is processed foods. So I okay. kind of go for like a whole foods diet sure. and anybody that you know doesn't know what that is, like whatever that ingredient is, <laughs> if it's one thing, then that's a whole food. Like an avocado is made out of avocado. Like, so I, I try to focus on things like that. I, I cut out, um, you know, like bread, pasta, all these things that are very processed, processed mm-hmm. meats. So I kind of try to stick to like lean chicken, fish, um, beef, ground beef, things like that tons of fruits and vegetables. I love, um, one thing that I really like doing or no matter where I am is trying to eat local as much as possible. Okay. I think there's a lot of research out there, recent research that kind of shows like eating local is just really, really good for you. And kind of the time it takes to like ship food and, and things like that can actually like make the healthiness of it go down by probably a fraction of a percent. But, and I think it's really nice, especially for a guy like me, who's living in Europe now, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to eat what they grow here. I think it's right. a cool way to kind of like be a part of the culture, be a part of um, kind of like what the country does. Um, and then I think a big thing for me is I, I absolutely love to cook. That's one of, honestly, one of the hobbies that I kind of picked mm-hmm. up now that I'm, so my first season in Croatia, I actually got meals as part of my contract. So I would okay. just go and eat at a restaurant every day. Okay. But now in Germany, I don't have that in my contract. So I cook all my meals. 
Okay. Um, so I kind of have that freedom. I'm on my own. Like I can try a bunch of new things. Um, and I absolutely love to cook. And I think the, one of the biggest things for me is variety. Like I'm always trying like to eat a new vegetable or like try a new recipe. Um, try to have like in the course of a day, like two different kinds of fruits or three or two or three different kinds of vegetables, two or three different kinds of meats, like just keeping the variety um, really different. And then I think in general, like as an athlete, I try to eat pretty high protein mm -hmm. and then um, uh, healthy fats, I think is a big one too, like avocados, nuts, seeds, like olive oil, things like that. And then I usually try to eat most of the consumption of my carbs just like kind of centered around when I'm practicing. Fair. So I'll eat most of them before I go to training and then a little bit more afterwards to kind of replenish. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I think just in general, whole foods is, is the way to go because there's always things you can, you know, you can, it's easy to go to being vegan or vegetarian from that point. It's easy, easy to go in the reverse, mm -hmm. just add meat back in. And yeah, I think eating whole foods is, is in my opinion, the most consistent diet because I'm not cutting out carbs, right? I'm not cutting out anything. If there's something that I really, really crave, then I'm going to figure out how to make it myself. Mm -hmm. Right. So like one of the, one of the examples was I made, um, I made some like burgers the other day, kind of right. just like ground beef burgers. And I was like, man, I really miss mayonnaise. <laughs> like <laughs> really miss the taste of mayo. And I yeah. made it homemade. Like I went on Google. I was like, how do I make mayonnaise? like homemade. Hell yeah. And so that's one of the things I've been doing too, is, you know, just about anything you crave, mm -hmm. you can make it with what you got. Like you can make it homemade with whole foods. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, it's really not a restrictive diet at all. And it's really healthy. Yeah. That's great. I mean, honestly, I, I kind of needed that myself because, and I'll speak to this. So like my mental health, you know, if, and I'm like, I mean, like for me, like if I avoid things like gluten and dairy, I absolutely feel better. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, I'll say like, you know, last couple of weeks I've been kind of feeling shitty in general. And like, so I reach for those shitty foods and it's like this cycle. Mm -hmm. So like being conscious of it too, is really important. So like, I know, like, honestly, like, you know, starting today, it's okay. I need to clean up my diet, you know, because I, my mood's been you know, pretty low. My anxiety has been high. And instead of going, okay, let's just go hop on a new medication or something like that. It's like, okay, let's give my, let's give myself the best chance to live healthy, to feel better before you just kind of jump into, I don't want to say the easy way, but you know, just the more conventional way of just like hopping on a new medication. It's like everything you're saying, you know, have your, have your, you know, have your coping skills in place, have your nutrition in place, do everything you can to give yourself the best chance to live a mentally well and healthy life. Um, so that's super important and definitely going to start cutting out some of this shit again because it just gets yeah, so convenient you get in that cycle and it's yeah. like you gotta break break free yeah no 100 and i think diet's one of those things that's just all, always overlooked oh yeah when with with anything when it comes to performance when it comes to mental health when it comes to sleep mm -hmm. i mean diet is is crazy and i think to your point yeah i mean it's it makes you feel better so much but I think, especially it's like somebody like me, I think often there's that anxiety that comes when you kind of have that little cheat meal. You're mm -hmm. like, ah, oh, man, I didn't really need to do that. Um, but I've kind of also, also changed my mind a little bit about just having that every once in a while. Like, 
mm-hmm. if I'm if I want to have like a a Snickers, right. I'm gonna go have a Snickers. Like I'm not gonna go crazy, right? But I'm not gonna let I'm not gonna let that be like oh man. I think it, the important piece is not letting it lead to more yep. like kind of eating based on cravings, right? Because I think and and I think that's one of the biggest signs of yeah. anxiety depression is just crazy cravings and it's like almost impossible to avoid them. And so I think definitely cleaning up your diet is one of the best ways in my Mm -hmm. opinion and something that you should do first, no matter what, like if you think you need medication, hundred percent, like just try the diet first. Like no one's saying don't go for the medication. Mm -hmm. Like if the diet thing doesn't work, but you know, try it. Like you never know. Like, and at the end of the day, if it doesn't work for your anxiety, you're still going to be a lot healthier in every other, in every other part of your life. If you switch up, you know, clean up your diet. So exactly. there's not, there's no situation that you lose in that, in that, you know, changing up your diet. Not at all. Not at all. Um, so before we get into our last core questions, what's something, I mean, what, what's some of your goals right now? Because, you know, we talk about, you know, anxious ambition, you know, one of the main things is, you know, yeah, you've had your struggles and you, you know, with your injuries and, all that you know, mental hurdles. What are some of your goals right now? What are you, what are you trying to achieve with, you know, maybe on the court and I guess this is off the court. <laughs> I just worked well, right in maybe, there, man. Maybe. Let's go. I, I didn't even yeah. mean to. <laughs> <Plug> it. <laughs> it just works itself. Right hey, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll start with, I guess for my um, volleyball career, I think my biggest goal right now is I mentioned it before, but uh, playing with the U S men's national team. Okay. I think that's kind of just like, you know, play, as, as an athlete, as a young athlete, as a college athlete, high school, any level, you dream of playing in like the Olympics. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that is the pinnacle of athletics of, you know, you make it there. You're like, all right, I did something with, yep. with athletics. Right. Yep. And, you know, for me, I'm not going to sit here and say like, I'll be in the next Olympics, but I think it's definitely a goal of mine. And I think it's far enough away that it's going to be a really, really difficult challenge to make it that to make it that far. Mm-hmm. But I think it's doable. Like I, I really do think if I put a hundred percent of like the work in, you know, God, God forbid, like I really hope I stay healthy. <laughs> um, so I think that's my goal. And like the next couple of summers start training a little bit with the national team, maybe doing some of the other, like um, they do some like Pan American games, mm-hmm. things like that, you know, playing against like Canada and some teams in South America um, and kind of just getting in the gym and then hopefully come, you know, Paris Olympics 2024, you know, hopefully I can crack into the, into the gym and, and be a part of that. Um, I mean, that would just be really, really incredible. Um, and then in terms of just my professional playing career, um, next year, I probably will be in Germany again, um, just based on, it's difficult to kind of move up after, you know, last season, I, you know, didn't play at all this season, sure. still coming back a little bit from injuries towards the beginning. Um, but I played a really good season so far, but to move up to a better league, it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, you got to be one of the best players in the league. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, you know, probably not next year, but the year after that, I really, I would love to go play in you know, France or maybe Poland. Um, and then kind of just continue, continue my volleyball playing career. Um, and then with off the court, um, what we're doing right now is kind of just like social media stuff. It's pretty difficult for us because the three of us are in drastically different time zones <laughs> right <laughs> like phase and phase in texas so she's seven hours from me 
and then mm-hmm. James is in Hawaii. So he's like 13 hours <laughs> behind me. So it's, you know, seven hours between the three of us. Like, yeah. You know. So it's impossible to like get on calls and, and do, you know, podcasts that all three of us can be on to kind of like do all that timing and stuff is really difficult. So mm-hmm. we kind of try to schedule a lot of like our big stuff for the summers. Cause it's just easier. Like we can be together in person mm-hmm. and travel bash, around. They bash yeah, some exactly. stuff together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so right now it's a lot of just kind of like posting on social media, posting a lot of like different tips and stuff. And, um, one thing we're going to start doing pretty soon is doing like a featured athlete every week. So we're going to select an athlete and, and it's any sport, like the three of us are all volleyball players, but mm-hmm. kind of the, the end goal for off the court is for it to be for all athletes. Like we don't want to shut out <laughs> like yeah, you play basketball. We're not going to discriminate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's kind of like the end. And obviously volleyball was the easiest way to go because of who the three of us are mm-hmm. for starting. Um, so basically we're going to have like, uh, everywhere, you know, do a nice bio with the featured athlete, um, and then do like some content during the week. Like we love doing, um, like a mental health tip on Monday, a nutrition tip on Wednesday, and then a recovery tip on Friday. That's kind of like the typical like week for us. And then Tuesday, Thursday, we do a lot of kind of like more educational stuff, like article reviews and mm-hmm. things like that. And then we also add in kind of like a lot of humor to it. I think yeah. that was one of the. It's definitely not dry. Yeah, it's not dry. Yeah. It's not like... One of the most important parts for us because we're like, yeah, we don't really want to sit here and just preach and preach about you got to do this to do it. Like we're athletes, you know, like some days you don't want to do the thing that helps your mental health. Like some days you just want to flop down on the couch and, and we're like, we're humans. Like, so we, we, we try to keep a lot of, I guess, humor and kind of like relatability in our content. Um, and then, so, yeah, so we'll have that feature athlete post kind of their three. And I think that'll be really interesting to see maybe somebody from the sport that you play, like, what do they do to Mm -hmm. manage stress? What do they, how do they eat? How do they recover? Um, and then having them do kind of like an Instagram takeover, hopefully on like a game day would be ideal That'd to be kind cool. of see the mental preparations, the nutritional preparations, recovery, everything for how they prefer, pre- prepare to do a game, which is, you know, peak performance. You mm-hmm. should be peak performance. Um, so that's kind of our next thing that we've got lined up. Uh, hopefully be starting that in the next week or two. And then over the summer, we do a lot of, uh, volleyball clinics. Cause kind of, like I said, we're three volleyball people. That was kind of just an easy way for us to get the word out. Mm-hmm. Um, last summer we did Hawaii, uh, Dallas, and we did one in Chicago. Um, hopefully we'll be adding a couple locations this year. I know for sure we'll do a couple in Northern California, a couple in Southern California, um, possibly like Nashville area, um, maybe Atlanta, something like that. So hopefully doing some more clinics and kind of the way we structure that is we do like one, two hours of straight up volleyball skills, uh, clinics. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we do like a little 30 minute to an hour presentation at the end of kind of what, what off the court is. And, um, and it was really cool to get, you know, we, we, we do that presentation for athletes and parents. We invite the parents to come and sit That's and smart. listen to, yeah, because, yeah. you know, at the kid, you know, a 13 year old kid is not going to really understand mm-hmm. all everything that we say. I mean, right. With, you'd be surprised how many, how much younger it is when kids start to have these mental health issues, yeah. you know, with, with social media being such a prevalent thing now. I mean, I remember we had 
we had a, uh, um, a, one of our clinics in Dallas and we had this like 13 year old girl who was training with us and in the middle of, or no, it was kind of, I think at the end of it, um, her mom pulled me aside, me and James aside while, um, or me and Faye aside while James is still coaching. And she said, you know, this is my daughter. Um, she's been, you know, kind of having some problems. She's been doing like self-harm and things like that. And I'm like, at 13, like, holy shit. Like you, and it's, and it was centered around like, like her, her problems were kind of centered around her performance in sports, which was the crazy thing to me. Wow. It was like, she would have a bad day of training or like, you know, her coach yelled at her or something like that. And she would go home and, and, and hurt herself. And I'm like, that is insane that it's that young. Like it, for mm -hmm. me, it was kind of unexpected, you know? Yeah. I'm like, wow. And so it became that much more important for us to kind right. of like give those presentations to the, to the parents. And we got tons of amazing feedback, you know, people saying like, yeah, no one talks about this. And my daughter had such a great time. And my son had such a great time. And as a parent, I appreciate so much. And, and we were getting some feedback about like, you guys should include this in your next talk or in for us, it's like, yeah, we're, we want all the advice yeah. we can get. Like we're kind of just starting and none, and none of us are experts, which I think is an important thing to add. Like, <laughs> okay. Volleyball, I, I guess. Yeah. I could be considered an expert at this point right. uh, for coaching kids and, um, like James is getting his master's in sports science. So mm -hmm. he's an expert in that field. But when it comes to mental health, like I'm, I don't have a degree, anything like that. Like I'm speaking 100% mm -hmm. on research that I've done myself and my own experiences. And so we're like all the advice we can get, like, let's absorb it. Let's soak it up. Let's try to incorporate everything that we hear. Um, and so we did those events over the summer and then, um, yeah, I think we're just, one thing we really want to try to start doing is kind of like jumping online with different teams, maybe like reaching out to coaches and be like, Hey, can we give a presentation to your whole team? Or mm -hmm. maybe like a whole athletic department. Maybe we can go do, um, yeah, like go to a high school and just get the whole athletic department and do like a presentation, kind of like a rundown of what we, what we all talk about. Yeah. Um, Cause I think one of the biggest things that, that we talked about was, when you go and play, especially in, I think college is the best example. Like when you go and play a college sport, you get two presentations at the beginning of the season. You get the Title IX, like the sexual harassment and all these things. Mm -hmm. And then you get the um, doping, like yep. performance enhancement. Those are the two presentations you get at the beginning of the season. There's nothing about nutrition. There's nothing about recovery. There's nothing about mental health. When you go, and even when you go and get a physical, when you go and get your required physical, they only check, they don't check anything about your mental health or anything like that. We're like, this needs to really change. I mean, there yeah. should be a presentation to athletes saying like, at the very bare minimum, like here are the resources, mm -hmm. right? Or here's the people that you can contact. Here's a hotline. Here's, you know. Just something. So prehistoric. Anything, really yeah, anything. Prehistoric. What, what yeah. They're just and trying to get you not break the rules. Yeah, then, exactly. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and going through and reaching out to a bunch of different colleges and seeing how many colleges don't have a professional, either sports psychologist, therapist on campus for athletes to use, or even like a nutritionist. Like I went to a yeah. division one school and I didn't have that. I didn't have a sports psychologist. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, and I'm thinking like, if I didn't have it, then 
I highly doubt like D2, D3, NAIA, club sports, high school, like they're not going to have that stuff. And so, yeah, we're, we're kind of just trying to, to mix that up and kind of just get people talking about kind of changing these different things. And then um, I think our biggest um, goal, which I think is probably pretty long-term at the moment um, Mm -hmm. is to kind of create an app that kind of just brings everything together you know, kind of just a bunch of different avenues on there. One of the big, I think one of the main pieces we want is you kind of go on this app and you can get contacted with a therapist, like a professional right away online. Um, We want to like create ways to make it more affordable for athletes. Cause I think that's a big one. Yeah. You know, if you're a college athlete, right. Like you don't have time for a a job, like you're in school and sports, like, and I mean, therapy is, hundreds of dollars per session and i'm like hey you're not going just once like yeah exactly like you're not gonna be better after just one time and it's gonna be hard to to say like can i really afford i don't know 500 to a thousand dollars a month on on therapy like i can't afford that no and so we want to make it more affordable we want to make it more accessible that um you you could do it online um we kind of want to create almost like a um not really more of like a, so, but I guess like a forum kind of where you can go in this forum and you say a community, you, know, you can, yeah. Yeah. Like a community where you can go in there and say, I'm a basketball player. I'm a college sophomore. I'm experiencing anxiety. And then you can have somebody else like, or, you know, maybe it's a volleyball player that's experiencing mm-hmm. anxiety around an injury. And I can jump on there and be like, Hey man, like, let's talk, let's chat. And Cause I think that's one other, um, I think a lot of athletes would be more receptive to talking to a, another athlete than maybe a professional. Cause talking to a, a therapist can be intimidating for a lot yeah. of people. They're like, oh, yeah. I don't know if I really want to go that, that whole route, but if, right. but if it's kind of more almost like talking like to a teammate, then I think mm-hmm. that that's, there's a lot of athletes out there that would be a lot more receptive to that. And maybe that's the push they need to say, oh, it's not that bad talking about this stuff. Like maybe I will go see a therapist. Maybe I will go get help. Um, And then of course we want to add in, you know, like nutrition in there too. Um, We want to be able to, to kind of like make meal plans, I guess, based on different sports Um, and recovery as well. Like we want to add a bunch of different, like mobility seminars, uh, flexibility, different things like that. Like how to maximize sleep, like all these different things. And we just want to create this kind of interface where you're an athlete. You can just go on there. If you want to chat about the anxiety you're having, mm-hmm. if you don't know what to have for dinner that evening, you can jump on there. If you have a huge game coming up and your body's not feeling good, like maybe your shoulders bugging you jump on there. So you're having like, you can find one of these resources. Um, and so that's, I think our end goal. And, it's going to take a ton of planning and um, definitely need to get a lot of um, a lot more people involved to kind of really make that high quality. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's our, that's our end goal. And, and I think one of the biggest things that, and I'm sure you've experienced the same thing with, with uh, anxious ambition is mm-hmm. um, we kind of agree to three of us, like this is something that we would do for free. Exactly. hundred percent. If there's you a way, to. if there's a way for us to, to make money from <laughs> off the court, then, hell yeah, let's do that. But at the end of the day, like we'll do it for free. Like this is something that me as an athlete, 
Yeah. I'm looking at all these things like, oh, that'd be pretty nice to have. Oh, that, yeah, that'd be pretty cool to be able to talk to somebody. Like, these are the things that I recognize is needed in athletics. And so for sure, it's something we'll do for free. Um, you know, giving advice for whatever we can, like connecting people um, and just having that ability and um, kind of just in the most broad sense, kind of just change, trying to change that stigma yep. of athletics and not admitting like you have this, I'm an athlete. I'm not allowed to be depressed. Like, right. It's just not the way it is. Right. And no. so we, yeah, that's, I think the biggest thing that we want to change. And I think it's, it's big for us. Cause I think the three of us are so passionate about it now. And, um, and I think it's so cool that, you know, you get in, once we got into this space, we kind of see how much there already is out there. We're like, Oh, this is awesome. Like I had yeah. no idea that there was this many other people like talking about mental health already. Mm-hmm. Once you finally kind of enter that world and, we want that world to be much easier to, to get into is I think a big thing for us. Um, so yeah, we've got a lot, we've got a lot of big, uh, big ideas, big goals, but, um, yeah, I think we're, we're pretty okay with kind of taking it slow and making sure that everything's high quality. And I think a big thing for us is taking the time to like, if somebody reaches out to us and, um, like we've had a couple of times, like we've had a couple of zoom calls, uh, in these past few years that someone reaches out to us on Instagram and says, Hey, like I tore my ACL a couple of weeks ago and I'm really not doing well with it. Like, can, maybe can I like talk to you guys about like different things we can do mm-hmm. that? Like think conversations like that will be a priority for us hundred percent for like, cause that's the really bare bones, like what we are trying to do, um, before we sell merchandise or, you know, do all these sure. different things. like at the end yeah. of the, like, cause all that stuff's important. Like, don't get me wrong, but right that kind of like conversation one-on-one conversation is kind of like the very bottom priority or top priority I should say um but you know bare bones like that's the stuff that we will never be skipping right. or um we'll never allow that to be not high quality stuff um, exactly yeah so I mean obviously you guys vision I mean the vision's there man like it's and I honestly none of your none of the goals are like I want to say not they're all obtainable you know, you guys have yeah, the you know yeah. the framework, you know, um, and it's really, it, it's the sky's the limit with what you're talking about, because it's, it's seriously something that's needed in this space of sports and something I wish I had, um, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, especially now with, you know, kids being, they're more, they've, they know what the word anxiety is. They heard depression, you know, and resources like that. And like those stories you get from like the parents, like you talked about doing it for free, like that's so rewarding and having that like it being more of a passion project i mean you're going to succeed in it because you know you do it like you said you do something you you would do for free eventually you know you're putting so much passion into it that people are going to start paying for your services or you know donate and things like that so honestly I, i commend you guys for what you're doing because it's and a lot of people talk and but you guys are actually doing it especially with the clinics man because that's yeah, that's huge. I mean, it's not like like those kids didn't sign up for that 30 minute mental health thing, but Hey, you're here. This is what you're going to get. And mm-hmm. Hey, you guys need to learn this stuff. So yeah. I, I really commend you guys, man. It's, it's, I'm really excited to see where it goes. Yeah. Thank you. Man. Really excited. I appreciate that a lot. Absolutely. Um, okay. Let's go back 
to like you, you said to yourself, it was like the second worst day of your life. You know, you get those calls. If you can go back and kind of maybe have a conversation with yourself, give yourself some advice, what would it be? Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny whenever I think about a question like that, like, what would I say to myself? Yeah. And I, for some reason, I always like picture what my mom would say to me. Right. I don't know why I, that's always sure. the thing that comes up, but like, she just has, you know, I think anybody could, it could relate to mm -hmm. mom just have a way of kind of like making you feel like it actually is going to be all right. You know? Yeah. And I think if I could go back to that day, and I get off the second phone call with my agent where she kind of tells me, you know, you might not be able to play next season. I would look at myself in the eye and be like, what is preventing you like 100% preventing you from bouncing back from this? Is there anything that is like 100% saying to yourself that you won't come back from this? Mm. And the answer is no. Like, the injury isn't going to prevent me from coming back to playing sports. Maybe I'm not at the highest level that I was before, but if it, this injury isn't going to completely take my life away from sports, not having a contract in the same team, isn't going to 100% crush my dreams of playing, a, a, like playing as a professional at the end of the day, like I could go back to one of these you know, kind of beginning starter leagues like I did in Croatia and kind of just try to work my way back up. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of had that conversation with my, or if, if I could go back, I would kind of tell myself like, look, man, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's going to be okay. And it's going to be easy. But like, if you want to continue, you will be able to do it. There's nothing that's going to prevent you from doing it. And so I think not only that, but um, I think one of the biggest takeaways from this, and I wish I would have kind of noticed it sooner. Maybe, maybe this would be something that I would tell myself is thinking about how other people treat me now and how they support me now. Right. Because this was one of the biggest observations that I've had kind of entering this mental health space mm -hmm. as like a person, like, like you said before, like I didn't grow up I'm with, clinical anxiety, clinical mm -hmm. depression, anything like that. But I'm still a part of it. You know, how I react to, to one of my teammates that's going through something is a part of this conversation as well, right? So if I have a, a teammate that's going through an injury and I can tell that he's really depressed or he's going through a ton of anxiety one of these days, what I say to him, how I interact with him is just as much a part of breaking this stigma as it is for me to kind of like notice it in myself. And so I really wish I would have told myself like, Hey, notice like what makes you feel better when people mm. say it to you kind of things like that. Like yeah. somebody, like, like I said before, like when guys joked around with me, like, Hey, what's up? You cripple <laughs> like things mm -hmm. like that. I could sounds kind of harsh when I say it like that, but like kind of just like that banter and stuff like that. Like, sure. mm. And it makes me laugh. Like it makes me, makes me feel better. And so I'm kind of looking at it like, all right, now I'm going to incorporate that next time I'm in a situation where somebody else is going through something. What am I going to do to help them? And I think that was a tough one to kind of, to kind of learn this way. But I think it was something that every athlete needs to realize because this whole conversation around mental health, um, 
especially in athletics is not just people that are having mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Like it has to be everybody really, because if you're a guy that you come out and you're say, Hey guys, I'm not feeling that great today. Like I'm feeling a lot of, I had an anxiety attack this morning, feeling pretty like fatigued. I'm feeling pretty depressed. And they're all just like, yeah, whatever, dude. Yeah. Like that's not helping anything. No. Right. Like, <laughs> sure. It's great that I'm speaking about it, but their response and the, the cumulative response from the coaches, from parents, from teammates, from even administrators, like people yeah. surrounding the sport, like it's gotta be everybody. And I mean, it's the exact same outside of athletics. Like this conversation on mental health is not just for people with mental health issues mm-hmm. at all. I mean, it's, it's, it's for everybody. Cause, and I think like you said before, COVID kind of opened everybody's eyes to like that kind of empathy that people yeah. I think were lacking for a long time is damn, this sucks. Like being stuck at home all day and feeling, feeling trapped, feeling just like totally out of it. Like people feel like that every day with that are going through these mental health, even when everything is perfect, when we're not right. in quarantine, when we're not on lockdown, like, so I think definitely I would have gone back and told myself really notice like the things that how people treat you now mm-hmm. and how it makes you feel better about your, or maybe even worse. And maybe those are the conversations to try to avoid when you're talking to somebody going through something. Right. So yeah, probably, probably those two things just kind of saying, yeah. dude, like you're going to bounce back. It's if you, if you really want to bounce back, you'll bounce back and, um, and notice how like the other side of the conversation is now that you're on the side that you're not normally on. Right. Like, so yeah, definitely those two things would be huge for me. Well, it's huge. It's huge. I love what you said about, you know, like you said, realize like the empathy part, you know, so you can help others going because like you mentioned, it's not the, it's not all about the people that are struggling clinically. It's everyone getting on the same page or at least having one guy in the room. Like if, you know, if you were in the room and step up and say, Hey, like I, I totally know what you're you know, going through. I've been there and now you have at least one friend, even if everyone else in the room may not get it yet, you know, mm-hmm. it kind of, it legitimizes because what, what a lot of people struggle with is, you know, when they do, and I advise a lot of people like, you know, first step. to I think getting help and feeling better is in, you know, admitting what you have going on, you know, yeah. telling people, whether it's posting on Instagram or, you know, writing a letter to your parents or whatever it is, but it's important that, you don't just get shut down when you do that, you know, and they yeah, and totally. Oh, shake it off. What do you got to be stressed about and all that shit? It's like, yeah. okay, now I'm just going to go back to like, I'll just go fuck myself. And no one's, you know, no yeah. one's going to help me. And you're like, it's people like you and you know, everyone like have the empathy because this is real. Um, yeah. So that's really important. And I'm really glad you're doing that. And it's, it's amazing, man. So before our last yeah, question, thanks. Where can people find you at, you know, personal page off the court, where can they find you? Uh, so me on, I'm on all most social medias, Facebook, Instagram, uh, search Dalton Solberg and you should be able to find me. Um, and then off the court, we do Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. We have some, uh, we have a YouTube channel. If you find, yeah, if you find us on any of those platforms, um, for sure, throw us a follow, check out our content. Um, drop some likes and comments on anything that you want. Um, and then, yeah, throw us advice. Like if there's something you see um, that you think we should address or you think is a good idea for us, like absolutely reach out. Like 
Um, and also if you're somebody who um, just wants to talk to us, like if you're a young athlete and you see this uh, anxious ambition podcast and you want to reach out to me personally, like totally reach out. I'll, you know, I'll try to set up a call with you, maybe just with me, maybe with, um, with Faye and James, my, my partners too, about anything, you know, nutrition recovery as well. It doesn't have to just be mental health stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I think if you, usually on my Instagram, I'll post pretty often about like live streams for my games. If you ever want to watch me play. Um, and yeah, I think just stay tuned for some content that we have coming up. You know, like I said, we do a lot of stuff over the summer. If you're, um, if you're an athlete, we re we're going to hopefully expand this summer to doing some stuff with different sports, maybe not specific skills with those sports but mm -hmm. kind of doing some maybe like mental health workshops and nutrition recovery different things like that um so be on the lookout for that kind of stuff if you're interested um and if we're coming to your coming to your area um and then also if you're an athlete uh once we start doing these featured athlete uh weeks and you would like to be an athlete featured on there like totally reach out to us because we're gonna hopefully just be doing a new one every week so we're gonna need a lot of a lot of fresh faces oh yeah i mean they're a great follow too like no no bullshit like you know when you hear of people doing like mental health stuff you know you get like those very clinical pages and it's like oh, this is so boring how are we supposed to make a difference but like all your stuff it's entertaining it's funny it's factual it's you know it's the perfect mix i mean it's not dry so if you're an athlete or even even if you're not an athlete like check out their page there's a lot of great information that you can use in your everyday life um all right, we're going to get to our last question. How do you want to be remembered, Dalton? Good question. Um, yeah, no, I know I, I thought about this a lot because mm -hmm. one of the biggest things about living away from friends and family um, for most of the year is it's sometimes pretty difficult to stay in touch with people. Mm. Um. And that's one of the things that I've been, one of the biggest like recent goals of mine is just like once a week, maybe I sometimes I try to pick a day, like every Saturday, maybe every Sunday, go and just text one of my buddies from high school. Be like, Hey man, how you doing? Or one of my teammates that I play with at Hawaii or one of my cousins, just trying to stay in touch with people. And I definitely with off the court, I want to be remembered as this guy who know kind of created this thing that he was so passionate about um helped a ton of i want to be known as the guy who helped a ton of athletes through something or helped them just improve their performance um in their sport by taking care of these other things um in volleyball i definitely want to remember it as a great player um but i think for me i'm already in my opinion i'm already like you know when my, when I, I get to tell my kids that I played a professional sport like right. one day. So I think that part's already there, like yeah, right. box checked and mm -hmm. I played at a high level. Um, I got to live a lot of people's dreams and, you know, I think that's such a huge blessing for me. Um, but I think the biggest one for me is I don't want to be known as that guy. Like, yeah, he kind of just kind of just lost touch with him after a couple mm -hmm. of years, you know what I mean? And I think, it's so, it's so easy for that to happen. And I think that's the trap is it's so easy just to kind of like you move somewhere new, you get a new job, you get a new group of friends, and then you kind of just 
everybody else kind of just goes to the wayside. Mm-hmm. And seeing some, you know, it just one of the biggest things that like breaks my heart is when, you know, kids, for example, like they don't aren't, aren't in contact with parents anymore, aren't in contact with siblings anymore, mm-hmm. things like that. And oh, that stuff just drives me crazy. I, I don't want that to ever happen. So I think I really want to be known as that guy. It's like, oh yeah, he was always down to down to chat, you know, mm-hmm. like always down for a conversation. I want to be the guy that's at I go back to my high school reunions and everybody's like, Oh, don't like, what's up, man? Like, yeah. it's awesome that you, you know, you've kept in touch with us after all these years. And, um, cause I think that's so like, it's so, uh, rewarding. Um, and I, yeah, it's kind of cliche, but I don't, I don't want to be remembered as somebody who was too worried about material things or, you know, cause everybody says that, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think taking care of relationships, I want to be known as the guy that was like, yeah, he really put the work in to make sure, everybody, you know, he kept in touch with people that he cared about and didn't let anything, didn't let any of those relationships fade away unless, unless they needed to, I guess is sure. the best way of putting it. You know, <laughs> sometimes, you know, sometimes there's people oh, yeah. that just need to be out of your life. Right. Right. So, but um, yeah, that's one thing I definitely want to be remembered as. And yeah, I just want to leave, leave something behind. And I think, with off the court is, is the biggest one for me. I want to like, by the time I'm dead and gone, I want this whole conversation of, you know, mental health around, especially in sports, but I think in general to just be normal. I want it to be normal. I don't want it to be like a conversation that people are afraid of having. I don't want it to be a conversation that people avoid. I don't, you know, I want it to be, by the time I'm gone, I want it to be like, it's something you talk about every day. It's something you talk about in practice, mm-hmm. you know, it's something your coach makes talks to you, every player about before a game or, you know, things like, or whatever you need. I just want it to be, I don't want athletes to be scared to admit it anymore or not just athletes, you know, I get in that mentality because that's kind of what we do with off the court. But mm-hmm. I mean, anybody like you should be able to admit it. Like, right. I don't want people to be afraid to say that they need help. You know, that's because you're not going to get it otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're not, you're, what you're doing is contributing to that. So that's, that's amazing, man. Like the more you guys promote off the court and, you know, I just want to say, y'all, thank you for being, you know, thanks Dalton for being so vulnerable, you know, sharing your story, you know, being, you know, an ally in this mental health ending of the stigma. Cause like we mentioned, it's not, you know, for someone that isn't clinically ill, like there's no reason for you to, I mean, you could have just said, you know, walked by, you know, went through your anxiety, depression, just kept it moving, but, but you're making, yeah. you're doing, you know, you're putting the work to help other people so that they don't have to experience that and how you can help them, you know, get out of it. And it's, you know, it's awesome, man. I want to applaud you, you know, part of this season of the podcast, I really wanted to have, have only men on for that reason to just get more stories out there because it is a problem for men to talk about it, especially, yeah. <laughs> especially athletes, you know, we're just yeah. like, Oh, you're a bitch. Suck, suck it up. And it's like, yeah. you know, you're, you know, honestly, like you're, you're the bitch if you're not being vulnerable and talking about yourself and being your, your true self, you know, because yeah. we need to be more open and, you know, stories like yours, it's, it makes it a lot easier for someone else. And, um, you know, if someone out there, 
you know, athletes, especially, you know, check out off the court, because this is something that's going to be super value for you. It's something that I wish I had in school. Cause I did go to, I went to an NAI school mm-hmm. and supposedly we did have a counselor, but like, let's be honest, like, I had no idea. Right. No one had any idea, you know, looking back, I can say like, Oh, we all like a lot of people needed help, but just wasn't there and it wasn't available. So what you're doing, um, it's definitely contributing to ending the stigma around mental health. Yeah. And thank you so much for what you do, man. I mean, I just love seeing all these different pages and everything. And, you know, it's nice to have a couple of connections with you with like yeah. Larry and Max and mm-hmm. um, just knowing people that are, that are trying to make a difference here. And I think oh, I, I appreciate it so much because now that I'm, you know, kind of trying to build something up too, I, I mm-hmm. understand how difficult it is. And, um, and for you to come on and talk about mental health as a, as a male athlete, every time you do the podcast, I mean, that's, yeah. that's really something that we, it, it's something that's just needs to happen. And, um, and it's, and it's difficult. I mean, I'm sure you experienced that, that yeah. even, even doing yeah, your, not easy. your anxious yeah. ambition podcast, it, it's not easy to be vulnerable just mm-hmm. in, in any sense of the word. And then you add all these different kind of like stereotypes, I guess is the, is the word that comes to mind. I don't know if that's sure. the right word, but you know, being a guy, being an athlete, these things that make it more difficult, just based on how society looks at you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, I'm, I applaud you. I mean, it's, well, thank it's you, incredible for you to it. do this, to do this like once a week and multiple times a day with posting and things like that. Like, Oh man, it's, you know, like I said before, it's, it's difficult for me to even do yeah. it once while I'm creating a company for that. Right. So, well, thank you. Appreciate yeah. that. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. Man, absolutely. Thanks everyone for listening. And uh, until next time, appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Anxious Ambition Podcast. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Follow us on Instagram at Anxious Ambition. You can actually watch this podcast over on YouTube. Lastly, check out our website, anxiousambition.com, where we have all of our merch and a portion of every sale is donated to NAMI and it helps support the individuals and their families who are suffering from mental illness. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, take it easy. Anxious. Ambition.